Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. We have been arguing for decades about how to better fund Michigan's roads, but almost never has there been serious talk about toll roads, which help a lot in many other states. Ted Livengood of Crane's Detroit Business is going to join us today to talk about a more serious possibility that toll roads could come to Michigan and that they could be an important part of our funding formula. And we want to hear from you. Should toll roads be in the mix for future road funding? That's all next on Detroit Today, right after the news from NPR. Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. You want to stay tuned a little later in the show, my friend slash nemesis, Nolan Finley, who's the editorial page editor of the Detroit News, is going to be here, and we are going to talk about the news, about local stories, national and state, come at things from a different point of view. That's what we do sometimes here on Mondays on Detroit Today, opposite day, when we try to invite somebody in who does see things a little differently than I do. Nolan and I see most things very differently, but we're able to argue without coming to blows over those disagreements. So we'll do that a little later at about 940. But First today, the end of 2019 also brought an end to Governor Whitner's attempt at a substantial gas tax increase to, as she says, fix the damn roads. With Republican legislative leaders balking at any major tax increase to maintain or improve our crumbling infrastructure, how can Whitmer deliver on her biggest campaign promise? Other states help pay for road improvements and maintenance through tolls but Michigan has never been among them. The idea has been floated over and over, but no real effort has emerged to go in that direction. But maybe that's about to change in 2020. Crane's Detroit Business Senior Editor Chad Livengood writes in this week's edition that policymakers are, for the first time perhaps, giving toll roads serious consideration. That is where we begin the conversation today with the idea that toll roads could join the mix of funding sources for our road projects here in the state of Michigan. How would that change things? Would it make it easier to keep the roads in better shape? And would it be easier on our pocketbooks than what we're doing now, which is not paying for roads, but paying incredible amounts of money for new tires, new tie rods, all kinds of other fixes to our cars? We especially want to hear from you. How do you think we should fix the roads? Do you think toll roads could be part of the solution? And what concerns would you have about toll roads here in Michigan? Would you not like the idea of paying to drive sort of as you go? Would you rather pay a toll to drive on the freeway or pay a little bit more at the pump, which was what Governor Whitmer proposed last year? As always... The number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or to Twitter. Put your comments there, hashtag Detroit Today on Twitter, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. And joining us now, as I said, to talk about this idea is Chad Livengood. He is senior editor at Crane's Detroit. Business has a piece in Crane's that is titled The Case for Tolls, Why Toll Roads might not be as far-fetched as you think. Chad, welcome back to the studio. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah. So let's start with the, I think, obvious question here, which is why have we not talked about toll roads before in a serious way as part of the mix for Michigan's road funding problems? Well, historically, it's part of our heritage. Uh, in 1951, we had a Michigan Turnpike Commission that was set up, and by the mid-50s, it was dismantled. Uh, we basically abandoned the idea of toll roads and started building freeways. Um, we, you know, we, we essentially, Michigan and Detroit, in many regards, invented the freeway. I-94 uh, was developed in the 40s and then um, fully built out in the 1950s. 
Um, the problem is today we're still driving on the same I-94 from the 1950s. Um, the bridges, that those old decaying bridges you see when you uh, pass under, I use the Mount Elliott Bridge as, as an example, were built in 1955. Second Avenue was built in 54. Pretty much most of them were built 54 to 56. We're slowly replacing these bridges at a pace of two to three, four at most a year. Um, at the current rate we're going, we'll, we'll fully rebuild I-94 in Detroit by the end of 2039. Mm -hmm. uh, so in 20 years, Stephen, just uh, you know, everyone think about what, how old they're going to be then. <laughs> That's how long it's going to take based on the current funding and financing uh, um, uh, mechanisms that we have for, for building roads. They need about $2.9 billion and counting. Um, and just for some scale, this, this summer, MDOT is going to take out and replace four of those 40 bridges between Dearborn and Roosevelt, uh, 994. That's how that's how mammoth of a, of a project this is. And so this got me thinking about, okay, is there got to be a different way to do this specific project? This is a economically vital corridor. It moves goods, people, services up and down uh, our state. Um, it is a pass-through uh, for major cross-continental truck traffic. And that's one of the things about the, the, the tolling debate. Everyone always dismisses that we're, we're, we're not a pass-through state like Indiana, Ohio, or Illinois, or Pennsylvania. But when it comes to commercial trucks, we absolutely are. Um, we have 4 million trucks crossing Port Huron, Blue Water Bridge, and the Ambassador Bridge every year. Mm -hmm. And those trucks, um, you know, there are a lot. They're moving goods and parts and people between um, uh, between uh, Michigan and Ontario, but there are a majority of them are going somewhere else. So a lot of them go to Chicago, for instance. Chicago. Uh, there's a Toronto to Chicago kind of shipping lane that we're in the middle of. You would capture lots of trucks that would have to pay tolls if you could toll 94, for instance. 94 and I-69 are basically referred to in the trucking industry as the NAFTA freeways. Um, they are the, the routes you get to, to one point to another. Um, I-75 also uh, um, accounts for that because you got a lot of trucks that come across the Ambassador and they immediately dip south. Um, and one thing that people ought to know about truckers they pay, they have an interstate um, and inter um, agreement with Can the Canadian government for collecting diesel taxes. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't think that they don't pay any taxes when they drive through our state. What they actually do is they pay a prorated amount based on the amount of mileage that they log in the state of Michigan. So Michigan does get um, um, a, a share of their tax of their gas taxes or, fee or diesel taxes paid elsewhere. But other than that, we don't really get a lot of revenue um, from from truckers. And so when people you know want to sort of stick it to truckers um, a lot of the time, um, this is actually an option to do it. Um, tolling, but then you also have regular drivers would have to pay tolls. I-94 just kind of comes to mind as, as a way to build one facility uh, for the for the next 50 some odd years or 60, you know, we've gone 65 years on this on this current highway. So um, but build it and modernize it in a way that we can be kind of in control of our, a little bit of our own destiny. A mm -hmm. lot of this this road funding debate. Um, and I've been back in Michigan for eight years when I came back and worked for the Detroit News, a longtime Detroit News um, Lansing Bureau reporter, Gary Heinlein. First things he told me was. We'll never write enough about the roads, um, and and he was absolutely correct. <laughs> and and um, and so uh, as as I kind of have been looking at this forever, uh, it's now it seems um, most most of this debate is about fuel taxes and about vehicle registration fees, about these two sources of revenue for paying for roads, and and that dynamic and, and that debate is broken. Um, in Lansing, it, and it's it, it's broken beyond um, repair in many regards. It doesn't seem like the legislature in this current formation, um, with this current governor, are going to be able to get any kind of sizable fuel increase uh, to just do a blanket fix the the problem uh, solution. There's going to have to be incremental different types of, of ways of getting at this. There's a lot of talk in Lansing right now about allowing local gas taxes, uh, so like a three-county gas tax. 
um, local vehicle registration fees, trying to, to take the vehicle registration fees that currently get washed through the um, funding formula and decouple them and let them go to the specific county because counties like Macomb County get $125 per driver back through the system and counties like Keweenaw County uh, get $700 per driver mm-hmm. um, back. Um, and so there's there's probably going to have to be multiple different ways to go at this and having like a specific road project reconstruction that is tied to tolling might be a way to to sort of take it out of the equation so you're not just sitting around waiting for three billion dollars to materialize to over 20 up. years sure uh, you bury some myths in this piece about toll roads one of them is that we can't toll federal roads and this i've actually been spreading that myth around for for several years. I've written several columns since I've been back in Michigan uh, since 2007 about roads and about toll roads in particular. And one of the things that I believed was true was that you could not toll a federal road after it was built, that you had to build that road as a toll road the way that they did the Ohio and Pennsylvania turnpikes, for instance, and that, that would leave us out of the mix. Apparently, that's not so. There's ways to to the, the feds have created um, some some leniency here, some pilot programs where you can take a section of road, let's say I ninety four from Dearborn to Roseville, not I ninety four from Port Huron to Buffalo, New Buffalo, but take a, just a section of it, and you have to rebuild the whole road. You rebuild if you you can toll based on rebuilding bridges as I'm told by a couple of different engineers and people in this industry who have who know this un, and understand this law is you can you can re, convert it to a toll road but when you by re, you rebuild the bridges then you're rebuilding the underlying road underneath it and you tie that uh, toll to the bridges there's another way um, that probably could be tested um, might be able to be tested in Oakland County in a couple of years if we wanted, if we had the will and, and, and desire to do this. And it's called high occupancy vehicle lanes um, where you toll, you have a separate variable rate tolling. The feds are encouraging this. Uh, they've been, it's been done in California, Virginia, Florida in recent, uh, just in, in the past decade and, and believe Texas as well. You, you have a, um, a, a lane that is designated for two or more passengers. So, Ride share, people, uh, carpooling together, buses, um, you just you name anybody has more than one per occupant in your car um, or families uh, that are driving. And and what and the current uh, reconstruction of, of I-75 in southern Oakland County, where they're expanding from three lanes to four mm-hmm. on both sides. The fourth lane is going to be an is going to be Michigan's first um, high occupancy it's vehicle be the lane, HOV lane, HOV right? lane, and that that lane has the potential to be converted to tolling, where you toll the whole highway, but you you don't you charge lesser toll in the HOV exempt lane. Exempt that from you, some. You may even pay le- You may you can even have no toll in the mm-hmm. HOV lane to basically encourage more carpooling and and in in commuting. Uh, to to relieve congestion, um, and and they built this lane all for the purpose of relieving congestion. This was an option that was on the table um, several years ago, and local leaders basically, I'm told, kind of put the put the kibosh on it. And local leaders, you can infer, means um, uh, the late Brooks Patterson, um, mm-hmm. who you know just wanted to have a wider highway, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, and so that's that's what's kind of that that's one of the other options out there. And then there's not a way to, to, um, that the feds will allow you to take um, a divided highway where there's, where there's different uh, physically divided uh, lanes and toll the lanes differently. But, but it's, uh, it's complicated. The rebuild uh, portion is really complicated, but it's, it's tied to rebuilding the highway. And we have a specific highway, I-94, in Wayne County that needs rebuilt. Um, so there are ways to, to go about it. There's a lot of federal approvals will be involved in this. Um, and and there could be a possibility that you lose still lose federal aid in some ways, um, but but at the same time Michigan might just need to make a decision here that 
<clears throat> waiting around for Congress to fix our roads is is a, is a is a path to nowhere. It's not working. <laughs> it's sure. not working. Not working any better than waiting for the legislature. I mean, we've been waiting. I mean, there's been how many how many times has there been an infrastructure week uh, under the under the current president? I mean, there has been this this talk about how we're going to have a big infrastructure build, and it never materializes. Hmm. Uh, my guest is Chad Livengood. He's a senior editor at Cranes Detroit Business. Has a piece in Cranes that is titled "The Case for Tolls: Why Toll Roads." might not be as far-fetched as you think. Think about all the different ways that we debate here in the state of Michigan, ways to make our roads better, to keep them in better shape. We never really talk about toll roads, and I think a lot of people have been convinced that toll roads would not work for practical reasons, for legal reasons here in the state of Michigan. Chad Livengood lays out in his piece why that may not be true, that in fact there are possibilities for toll roads and that the Whitmer administration is actually seriously considering this as one of the options to put into the formula for road funding. We want to hear from you. What do you think about the idea of using toll roads, even in a limited way, to help fix our roads here in Michigan? Should they be part of the solution? What concerns would you have about toll roads here in Michigan? And would you rather pay a toll to drive on the freeway or pay more at the pump, which is the thing that Governor Whitmer proposed last year, a 45-cent gas tax increase that went over like an absolute lead balloon and is now dead, at least uh, for the time being, in the state legislature. If that's not what you want to do, what would you do? How would you fix the roads here in Michigan? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, let's start with David in Warren. David, what's on your mind? Um, thank you so much. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey. Um, I just was wondering, and just a question that somebody can answer, how come some, how come gambling proceeds can't be used towards the road? How come it has to all go to the school? You know, they just, bet, they just passed the sports betting. You know, just recently, mm-hmm. how come some of that, that's a, that's a continual revenue stream that will always be there. How come some of that can't be used for the role? Ah, David, great question. Uh, of course, what he's referring to is the fact that we have legalized sports gambling here in Michigan, something that I think is going to come back to bite us at some point. I don't think it's a great idea. But there is no question that it will generate a lot of money in the near future and maybe into the into the later future as well. Uh, Chad Livengood, talk about why that source of revenue can't help fill this this gap that we have, this $2 billion a year gap that we have in road funding. Well, it, it, it is. A, I don't know what sports betting is, is projected. I don't think anybody really knows yet what it's going to raise. But um, let's, let's just use the lottery because this is a common uh, myth, and I'm on a bit of a personal crusade to, to kill this myth. Um, the lottery generated a billion dollars last year for the first time in, in in the state's history. It's been around 900 million for many many years, and and the, for a perspective, a one billion dollars. Um, is about 8% of the school aid budget. Um, it all goes to schools, um, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't carry schools. There's a, there's a real uh, myth in the public that uh, the lottery is, is, is a, you know, the schools are flush with lottery money, and that's just not the case. It, uh, the school it costs about $13.5 billion to run schools in Michigan. $1 billion comes out to 8%. It's enough to run a Michigan schools for three weeks hmm. um, a year. So, um, and just another myth out there, the idea that marijuana is going to provide a, a huge uh, windfall of cash for roads. <laughs> um, the way the tax is structured, marijuana is uh, 35%, I believe, um, of the uh, uh, of the um, the 10% excise tax that's put on to, uh, onto, uh, on, the, on the sale of recreational marijuana. It's going to amount at best um, to maybe fifty million dollars a year when fully built out in a, in a full one billion dollar sales industry, um, and that's twenty twenty four twenty five. Mm. But a lot of projections. So just for perspective, fifty million dollars um, would would uh, it costs about two and a half million dollars to repave a, a lane mile of 
freeway in Michigan. So um, you do the math there. It, it, it's it's fewer than uh, 20 uh, some odd miles of pavement. But, but as part of the mix, I mean, I think one of the things that you're kind of emphasizing here is that waiting for this big pot of money to show up that would take care of everything all on its own is kind of unrealistic as part of the mix. If you had toll roads, if you had sports gambling, if you had marijuana, all, if you put them all together, over time, you would, yep. over time, you'd start to chip away at this, this gap that we have. You would, you would, and you would diversify the revenue sources. Um, and, and so one thing to think about tolling is that it's, it's a facility um, that you're using the facility to get from point A to point B. Um, in many ways, it's it's no different than some other public facility. Um, so um, TCF Center, formerly Cobo Center, um, it is funded by it, its huge reconstruction project. It's it was a quarter of a billion dollars or more spent. It is that those bonds were backed by a portion of of the state liquor tax. Mm-hmm. Um, that is designated for convention facilities. And so that's one way to think about it is is that you know, we, we set aside and we earmarked a piece of money to go to a specific type of, of industry or type of public need. And, and that's another way to look at maybe having um, a, ro- a toll road or some type of, of other type of financing um, to, to help pay for these type of, of, of services. Uh, and when I use the word financing, th- that's a kind of important in this conversation. I think we're going to hear possibly from the governor on this issue is that um, a lot of this has all been about funding, about pay go, pay as you go, um, a model, and and there are other ways to fund with financing or using public-private partnerships, like they're doing for the building of I-75. We have private companies that are basically investing in that uh, construction project that we will pay back in the future. But it was a way to basically front load the money. And and that's that's increasingly needed uh, to look at this. One other thing I want to point out from a piece that I found really fascinating on, on toll roads is that it, the city of Bay City just voted, to, the city commission there just voted to sell its two city-owned drawbridges um, because they can no longer afford the maintenance. It was costing them $700,000 a year, and it was half of their city road budget. And they have a, a city with a, a shrinking tax base um, and really no hope for Lansing to improve revenue sharing. So they went out and sold their two bridges to a private company for $5 million. And the private company is going to rebuild one of them, uh, tear it down and rebuild a new one, and then modernize or, 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 or um, uh, rehabilitate the other one. And, and then they're going to start charging tolls. This is a completely new um, uh, form of tolling um, short of the Ambassador Bridge. Uh, in, uh, but we don't have inland bridges in Michigan that are privately owned mm-hmm. um, that, uh, that uh, will be you know, uh, public toll facilities. Um, that's that's and, and, and as a city commissioner and president there told me this might be the future in Michigan. Yeah. OK, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to continue this conversation about roads, about tolls and the future of funding here in Michigan. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Joe and Romeo, Josh and Beverly Hills, Carrie in Detroit, Tom in Northwest Detroit. We will get to you and your comments next. If you want to join them. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Today on 101.9 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. My guest is Chad Livengood, senior editor at Cranes Detroit Business. He's got a piece in Cranes that is titled, The Case for Tolls, Why Toll Roads Might Not Be as Far-Fetched as You Think. That's what we're talking about, is the idea that maybe toll roads could be part of the funding mix that we need to make up a $2 billion a year gap between what we are spending now on roads and what we need to be spending in order to keep our roads in much better shape. As always, we want to hear from you. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. 
You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. We've still got lots of folks who want to talk about this issue. Let's go to Josh in Beverly Hills. Josh, what's on your mind? Good morning. Uh-huh. I think um, our uh, proposing to have tolls won't capture the real costs of um, driving in the state that sprawl has caused all these you know, has caused the problems of an unsustainable expense mm-hmm. around roads. Mm-hmm. People who pay for taxes to generate revenue for those at the pump alone, you're not going to be able to capture the hybrids and electric cars that are going to become increasingly necessary to be put on the roads due to all kinds of internal and external forces to Michigan, that we should have, a at the time of registration, uh, an odometer, a voluntary odometer disclosure and check and a delta be paid between years and a linear cost to miles driven on the roads that way, people who are driving hybrids for three hours a day on the open roads are paying the cost of having that that kind of hyper uh, hyper travel commutes and such. People driving three hours a day on the roads, they're going to be escaping all of these costs. At second point, I think about more specifically about tolls. We don't need increased privatization. That's always a cost. Uh, it's always going to be a greater cost to the population, as well as a bit of a cynical uh, proposition by uh, your your guest there to say that. We should be intentionally taxing uh, international uses or people who pass through. That's a very cynical and almost um, a punitive method for Michiganders to externalize the expenses that, that they themselves incur, that the numbers of miles traveled on the roads certainly aren't – the preponderance of are certainly not people who travel through so or Josh, on the outside. Michigan, Michiganders should be responsible for themselves. Yeah. So and Josh, we be paying for the miles of travel. So Josh, th- that's really antithetical to the idea of what you see in other states. Ohio's turnpike is told specifically to get money from people who come through. Same with Agreed. Pennsylvania. So why why Agreed. should Michigan They're be different? It's obnoxious. See, because there's it's 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 really because we can't control and coordinate between the states. We've got one state acting in a punitive measure against his neighbor. So that's that's obnoxious, and it's really a problem with our civics, not a problem with how to fund highways. Hmm. We need to have the states working together to determine how we're going to have interstate transport. Hmm. Uh, Josh, I really ridiculous. I I really appreciate the call and the comments. It's a really interesting point of view about, especially the the idea of toll roads. Chad Livingood, I'll give you a chance to respond. Well, just to talk about sprawl for a second, Macomb County has eight hundred lane miles of road in poor condition. Uh, they replace somewhere less than 25, maybe 30 lane miles a year. Um, I mean, this is just not sustainable in its current form. I've written about this in the past. Um, last summer, I wrote about how they were they were, they were were widening a road up on 23-mile uh, road, a $10 million project for a mile uh, stretch of road to be widened for the continued development of of uh, high density condo buildings uh, up on you know farm fields, um, I mean, it, and then meanwhile you got all this this concrete down in twelve mile and eleven mile, this is absolutely rotting. Um, so yeah, we we've got we got an issue with sprawl in this in this region, and that is very much tied to our road funding crisis in this region. Uh, secondly, to to tolling, uh, look, we we have private and public bridges. Um, that are funded by tolls, so that the only way to possibly maintain and keep upkeep um, uh, a, a major international crossing bridge is through tolling, and and so I'm just I'm laying out that this is another way to uh, capture revenue uh, from from users of the road, um, and it would you know it would still predominantly uh, lie at the, at the feet of of Michigan um, uh, residents uh, because they're still using the roads and they're still. Um, you know, Michigan companies, I'll just give an example, Chrysler, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. They are hauling trucks with, with, with brand new um, uh, Ram trucks uh, uh, and, and brand new uh, <laughs> Jeep Cherokees out of the plants in Warren and Detroit. They're going up and down 94. They're headed to a bridge or they're headed south or they're headed west. Uh, and they're, they're utilizing the road heavily there. 
Um, and this would be a way to get them to pay more towards the cost of utilizing that road. It might also might cut down congestion. That wouldn't be a bad thing on I-94. I drive, I live on the east side. I drive Gratiot every day uh, because and I only drive I-94 after 6.30 at night. Um, yeah, because it's, it's a parking lot it, otherwise, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, again, Josh, I really appreciate the call and that, that different perspective. Let's go to Robert in Flat Rock. Robert, what's on your mind? Well, good morning, gentlemen. Yeah. I, I'm a trucker. Mm-hmm. And I, I, took, I took notice to the comment that Chad made about stick it to the trucker. Those were his words, and that really irritated me. I'm a small business. I own one truck. My whole life depends on this truck. Now, when the repairs need to be, I don't ever consider it because of the road condition that my truck breaks down. I consider it the truck broke down. But on the flip side of all that, the roads suck. But you can't stick it to the trucker. You're going to put... You're going to put hundreds of thousands of people out of business. The companies don't pay these tolls. We pay the tolls. Hmm. We also pay the highest road tax, higher than any person. Our fuel tax is outrageous. Hmm. Uh, Robert, I, I, I especially appreciate your perspective, given that you're in the industry and would be the one who would pay more if uh, if we if we as Chad said uh, put it more to truckers uh, Chad how do you balance what Robert's talking about which is this burden that he has which he may not be able to afford against the need for us to have more money to keep the roads in shape so that uh, he can get where he's going without bumping around well, one of the criticisms about our truck fees is that we have some of the lowest fees in the Midwest, and and specifically for overweight trucks uh, or heavy trucks, we have considerably lower rates. Um, and this is an ongoing debate. Uh, there's been multiple proposals to to raise those fees. They always get squelched by the the trucking industry. They've got a very very strong lobby, um, and and I'm not out advocating for lowering truck weights. I get the science of, of, of distributed axles uh, and having 11-axle trucks uh, hauling uh, more weight over more axles than having uh, five-axle trucks hauling 80,000 um, pounds. I understand and, and, and completely uh, agree that if we get rid of our heavier truck weights, we will just have more trucks on the road. Um, and, I mean, they'll just and there will be more cost to moving vehicle, uh, moving. In other uh, words, goods. if 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 you lower the weights, what you end up doing is dividing the loads, You've, and you'll have two trucks with the same amount of stuff in it. It's just. Now you've got more axles yep. with that stuff uh, taking up uh, space on the roads and using the roads. Yeah, or you'll have two, you know, two uh, two tractor uh, trains running down the highway rather than one. I mean, there's a whole lot of ways to get around this in other states, and we've got some unique uh, truck weight systems here. Um, so th- there's there is a larger debate that has to happen. I use the phrase "stick it to them," but the, but that's what a lot of motorists out there want. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I, I don't necessarily know if it's always the fairest way to go about it, but there has to be some way. We all have to essentially pay more for the system we've built. We've overbuilt. Um, we have fewer people contributing. Um, and 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 at the end of the day, I lay out this tolling idea because. Um, the fuel tax is a dying tax. And to our earlier caller's point, there's going to be more and more electric vehicles. There will be electric um, uh, semi-trucks uh, that are autonomous, and, and, they're, and it's not that far away in the future. Um, and so there will be just, just going to be less and less fuel consumed over time. And so, it, you know, the fuel tax is is a dying tax. Um, and it's only gained revenue because we had a seven cent uh, uh, gas tax increase uh, in 2017. Otherwise, it's just continuing to be kind of flat. Mm. Uh, again, thanks for the call and the comments, Robert. Let's go to Carrie in Detroit. Carrie, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Good morning. Mm-hmm. I understand the excitement that may come from capturing revenue from motorists on the road, but in a state that has the highest car insurance rates on the planet Earth, Hmm. and Detroit being (laughs) the highest car insurance rated city in the world, how is it that anyone could even consider, you know, raising, like, 
like asking for more money, you know, when, when they're not willing to legislate or control the egregious, you know, rates from car insurance companies. There's a way to lower the rates of um, or the cost of building roads um, in the UK, in Australia, in India, and now in California. They're using a new um, a new technology where uh, plastics, recycled plastics, are mixed in, suffused with asphalt, and it makes the roads cheaper to build. They last 10 years longer. They're more flexible and can handle cold and hot temperatures much better. And, you know, you're also your your carbon footprint, you know, you're recycling plastic at the same time. And I don't know why technology like that isn't being looked at or considered, you know. Yeah, Carrie, Um, Carrie, I appreciate both of those thoughts. I want to give Chad a chance to respond, but but I'll, I'll say up front, there's no question that the insurance rates here are a big problem and a big driver of another problem. I mean, I think uh, the idea that sort of relating it to the cost of keeping up the roads is interesting in the sense that there is no direct relation between those two things. But from the consumer, from the, the, the citizen point of view, they kind of are the same thing. It's the cost of operating your car. So I think that's a really interesting thing to interject here. I want to get Chad Livengood to respond to that and then to this idea that maybe we could be building the roads cheaper and better than we are. Go ahead. Yeah, Chad. all of these uh, issues are deterrent to mobility, and, and mobility is, is quintessential you know, to, to uh, you know, economic mobility. Uh, to get to a job, to get to a better job, uh, you need you need a form of transportation, and you need a a way and route to get there, and to get there on time, and not get caught in congestion, um, or, or and whatnot. Now, on the auto insurance front, um, the legislature just passed uh, a sweeping, largest, biggest reform to no fault auto insurance in in the forty five year history of the law. Uh, back in May, and the governor signed it, and it goes into effect July 1st, and we will see whether it works. Um, that's not, uh, I think the jury is definitely still out um, on whether it, it lowers car insurance rates. Um, it certainly will allow people to get out from underneath unlimited medical benefits, but there is a trade off. They may not get as good a care uh, when they get in a car accident or their loved one is in a car accident. So, um, that is that is yet to be seen whether that actually lowers uh, puts a real big dent in car insurance rates uh, and whether whether the uh, restrictions on on um, zip code based uh, insurance rates uh, actually um, stop the practice of of, of redlining uh, urban areas um, mm-hmm. because there are some loopholes in the law. I think there's going to be some you know, a lot of people thinking that it really didn't do much because you can still actually. Uh, set an insurance rate based on a census tract, which right. is smaller than a, than the zip code, and and or you can make two zip codes together and call it a, a new geographic area. So, um, yeah, that's that that also plays into all this. I, I mean, there's no doubt that the cost of of getting around is expensive, and um, and we have again we've built a a very large uh, um, network of roads in the, in southeast Michigan. And it, it's becoming increasingly hard to maintain them. Right now, the pavement projections for um, federally funded roads, which is pretty much uh, two-thirds of them, um, uh, it shows that for this decade, 45% of the roads will remain in, in poor condition. Um, that is the high water mark uh, from the, for, for this century, basically. And, and right now, the, uh, under the current revenue uh, streams uh, for, for roads, there's no um, uh, hope of, of, of the uh, overall road conditions changing. Hmm. Okay, Chad Livengood, Senior Editor at Cranes Detroit Business. It's always great to have you here and was especially good to have you here to talk about this really interesting wrinkle to the road funding debate. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Stephen. All right, stay tuned. Up next, we are going to talk with Detroit News Editorial Page Editor Nolan Finley about the latest local and national news. We'll also continue to take your calls. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Stay with us on Detroit Today.
You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. Mondays here at Detroit Today are what we call opposite day when we sometimes try to invite somebody into the studio who sees the world through a different lens. Somebody who maybe sits across the political aisle, the political divide from me, comes at things from a different perspective. We have a lot of folks who fill into that role from time to time, but one of my favorites is with us today. Nolan Finley is the editorial page editor of the Detroit News. Nolan, welcome back. Well, I'm glad to be here, Steve. I thought opposite meant somebody (laughs) good-looking. And, you know, sort of contrast with no. you. No. <laughs> that would be somebody bad looking, <laughs> Nolan. Uh, all right. Let's start with what I was talking just now to Chad Livengood. You sure about. you don't want to talk Harry and, and Meghan? Well, we can talk that if you want. I, I think that's because, interesting. I would love to know what you think about I, it. I, I got to tell you, Steve, <laughs> I can't think of a worse day than poor old Harry having to get drug in and his old granny powder in his bottom this morning. <laughs> you think he's in trouble? Oh, think bad. Can you imagine a worse out? day than that? you got to go, and your 93-year-old granny's going to wear you out. The, my favorite part of that, I was watching on TV this morning, and they were the TV cameras were staking out Sandringham Castle, wherever uh-huh. they're staying, and Prince Philip, who is 98, comes out, gets in this little SUV, and drives off, and the, and the, the um, host said, well, we're not sure where he's going. I'm thinking, well, he's probably not sure where he's going either. <laughs> but as he was driving away, I looked at this SUV, and he's got a trailer hitch on the back. Of oh, this. And I'm like, what are you hauling, what is Prince he hauling? <laughs> Is he going out to the barn and getting a fishing boat? And he got a six-pack and a carton of worms in the back, getting away from the day? So I'm interested that you're uh, interested in this. I would who's not, not interested in this? I would think that the royal family would bore you, Nolan. No, man, it's good to see somebody else have it. Uh, <laughs> Someone else has the drama that we all have yeah. with our families. <laughs> so funny. anyway, what do you want to talk about? All right, let's talk about first toll roads, this okay. idea that perhaps the Whitmer administration is thinking about adding that to the mix, at mm-hmm. least, of road funding. You have talked before about how the idea of trying to go get all this money in one place, $2 billion in Mm -hmm. a year that we need, is probably not going to work. We saw last year this $0.45 per gallon gas tax increase just fall on its face. Mm -hmm. Is toll road, is is tolling the roads one of the things we ought to think about? I think it's a limited option in Michigan because, you know, we are a peninsula. So the only road, real freeway, that you've got passed through traffic on would be I-94, and that's a lot of traffic, but... Uh, it's a lot of truck yeah, traffic it's in a particular. It's a lot of truck traffic, and... right. So, you know, maybe you can make some money off 94, but, you know, the rest of it, it's mostly or largely people from here yeah. driving. And I don't know how you do a toll row road through an urban area. Uh, I mean, 94 goes through... Detroit and the suburbs and people are on it and off it and then yeah. on it again. Seems like you'd wear people out collecting tolls. Personally, I'd rather pay it at the pump. Yeah. But uh, but nobody and, else seems to be in favor. Of well, I mean, and that I, proposal went nowhere. I know, and I'm not sure a toll road proposal will do any better. You've got to build out an infrastructure for that, which costs a good deal of money. Uh, you already have the infrastructure for collecting road taxes. Now, problem with road ta- taxes, it's going to be always be a declining revenue source. And so this idea that you want to somehow uh, base a tax on the use of the roads rather than the use of fuel is not a bad idea. Hmm. Well, you know, I have always thought that, like you did, that we didn't have a lot of opportunity Mm -hmm. for tolls. But if you think of, I mean, we tend to think of like the turnpikes in Ohio and Pennsylvania as the models for this. But if you go to Illinois, for instance, and go out to the suburbs of Chicago, Mm -hmm. The beltway that goes around Chicago through the west and northwest uh, suburbs, that's told too. And that works really well to f- mm-hmm. support those local roads. So the idea of local funding of roads through tolls is not that foreign. It's just that I think we're so used to not having them here that it's hard to get people to get their mind around it. You know, I would I would prefer, you, you mentioned local uh, funding, I would prefer local millages for for road repair, because a lot of the roads that are in really bad shape are local roads. 
uh, and you know we're that are probably not going to get a whole lot of attention if the gas tax goes up. Uh, the Citizens Research Council Council recommend local millages. They tend to be easier to pass. People see the results of their tax dollars uh, a little more quickly, uh, and they are are have proven you know more uh, open to passing a local road millage to fix their own roads first. Uh, I think that should be a big part of the mix. Yeah. Uh, let's also talk about a story that came out last week in the Detroit News mm-hmm. about Detroiters being overtaxed yeah. over time. The number that's associated with this, somebody spent time actually quantifying how much they've been overtaxed, $600 right. million. Dollars. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mind-blowing. The, the question that I have about it is, what do you do about that? How do you fix that error? And also, I wonder what this would have what what effect this would have had on the city's finances if they had adjusted those bills. If we took six hundred million dollars out of the revenue picture of Detroit over the last decade, we would have been in bankruptcy way sooner than twenty thirteen. Might have helped. I mean, it might have stimulated more development, more growth. Uh, a lot of people might have been able to pay tax bills who weren't able to pay tax bills. So the revenue might actually have, have grown. Um, the question of what you do about it, I mean, Christine McDonald, who reported that story out, got into that a little bit, a little bit. And the mayor said, well, you know, I, I got no recourse under the law on what to do here. But we've talked about this before. The city might be better off getting rid of the property tax altogether. Yeah. And, you know, I talked to a developer uh, a week or two ago who uh, said that, you know, one of the biggest hindrances to developing in Detroit and getting to market rate on rents uh, is the property tax, that it's higher here uh, than it is almost any place. And you just don't get the return. 78 mils, something yeah, crazy and gets levied against so, residential so, property. So maybe you get rid of that property tax and find a different method of funding the government and services, and maybe you 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 keep more people in their homes, and you grow Detroit a lot faster than it has been. I, this is an idea that I've kind of mm-hmm. kicked around yeah. for a while. This idea that the property tax is actually a drag on the city, not an actual funder. In other words, that we don't yield enough in revenue from right. it to justify the negative consequences that it has, both in terms of development, as you point out, but also in terms of it's the single largest driver of blight right now right. in the city. I mean, this 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 inability of some people to pay those taxes and then they lose the house to foreclosure is what's creating all the abandoned houses. The problem is that if you got rid of the property tax, you'd have to replace that money. It's still, about a, it's still somewhere between $180, $200 million a year. What would you do to do it? And you'd have to get the legislature, I think, to loosen up some of the rules about cities making money or getting revenue in order to, to, to make that work. One of the things you could do, Steve, is is, talk, is tax the vacant property, uh, you know, the property where people aren't living it, don't have buildings on, the property that speculators are hanging on to and paying minimal taxes on. Um, maybe you can kill two birds with one stone by taxing that vacant property at a higher rate to encourage people to either get rid of it or build on it. And the other thing I think you got to think about is how do you get revenue for the city from all of the new activity that's Mm -hmm. going on in downtown and midtown? So if you are a family from the suburbs, you come down and go to dinner and then go to a ball game and then maybe go sit in a restaurant afterward you don't pay you don't none of the taxes that you pay none of the fees that you pay actually go to the city anymore all of that money either all of the tax money from that goes to the federal government or the state and the city ends up with nothing and that, and yet it's the city that's bearing the the costs of infrastructure hmm. of services for all of those things in other cities there's capture of that m- revenue f- for some portion of it to go to yeah. the city. Well, other we cities haven't done that here. aren't as in such a fragile state still as as Detroit is it, it, still in its redevelopment. I don't know how much extra burden you want to pe- place on people who are struggling dollars. to get a, a foothold. I mean, there are taxes on tickets and what have you that do 
go to the city. I don't no, know if there it's aren't. enough we to. We have no ticket tax. We don't have a ticket tax here. We have a ticket tax. We have taxes that get collected on tickets the same way that they get collected for other things, and that money goes to the state. The city doesn't has go to no the city. Okay. specific mm-hmm. tax that uh, that it gets. And in other cities, there are. And so, you know, these are the conversations that I feel like you got to have with the legislature if you're going to think about getting rid of the property tax as ways to fill that hole. And it's not mm-hmm. going to be one thing that you do. It's probably going to have to be a bunch of things. All right, uh, we're going to run out of time. But uh, before we do, I want to talk about impeachment, which is still going on. Do you think this is going to help Democrats in Michigan or hurt Democrats in Michigan in the fall? It's such a critical state. Mm -hmm. There are lots of reasons for Michiganders to fall away from President Trump, who voted for him last time. But is impeachment an antagonizer that says, ugh, uh, I'm not going to vote for a Democrat because of this. Well, I don't know if it'll do that. I don't think it's going to have much impact at all. It doesn't seem to be moving public opinion. I think people recognize it for what it is. And, you know, right now you've got the the folks who, who uh, were supportive of Trump before impeachment, still supportive of Trump. The people who weren't still aren't. I'm not sure it's a big mover. I think you're going to see this week the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, come to the realization that this idea of holding up the impeachment, not moving it to the Senate, is going to, uh, is not playing well for them. I mean, it's just something, you know, you built the public up with this, this urgency, we got to move it through, move it through, and now we're going to hurry up and wait. I think that's playing against them. I think the sooner it gets to the Senate and gets going, uh, the better off. And, you know, she's on weak ice. The, the House exercised its authority under the Constitution without much Republican input. And now Mitch McConnell in the Senate's going to do the same thing. Why would you think any, any differently that he wouldn't, that he wouldn't, you know, he's not going to sit here and let the, the uh, House decide how the Senate handles impeachment. You think John Bolton should testify? You think he will? You think I thought, McConnell will let him? I thought there should have been a lot of people testified testified during the hearing process who weren't called. Uh, Republicans weren't allowed to call witnesses. Of course, I think this should have been played out in both chambers uh, very fairly and as in a much a nonpartisan basis as possible. But Nancy Pelosi blew past that in the House. And I wouldn't think McConnell's going to do uh, take a different path in the Senate. Okay, Nolan Finley, editorial page editor of the Detroit News. Look at that. We had a whole conversation and barely disagreed at all. What is what is going on with us? And something's wrong it's with the you new this year. morning. Yeah, that's right. All right, thanks for being here. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow, too. I hope you will, too. This uh, is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. Talk again tomorrow. <laughs>